Welcome to episode number 89 of the Jackson Hole Connection, brought to you by Jackson Hole Marketplace, Jackson Hole's little community market on the south side of town. Please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM to learn more. Hello from Jackson Hole. I'm Stephan Abrams, your host and guide today. Each week I sit with someone connected to Jackson Hole to share their fascinating story about daily life. I feel we can all learn so much from each other and I tend to search out people and their stories, which will teach us all a little about life outside of our everyday circle. My guest today is the ultra runner and Sheridan, Wyoming native, Monica Zeal. This month, Monica has committed to a monumental challenge to remember her husband, Travis Zeal's life. The challenge first came from a quick thought and with encouragement from a coach and friends, Monica embarked on this journey. Monica dives deep into feelings and emotions, which can be thrown toward anyone in life. And as Monica experienced, having the right mindset and support network can help us all work through the toughest challenges during life. I left my interview with Monica thinking how I can be better and finding joy in the everyday, live life in the moment, and be present for the people around me. Monica, so excited to have you here as a guest virtually for the Jackson Hole Connection. Thank you for coming today. Thank you for having me. Indeed. And you found some time in between your running to have an interview. How exciting. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get into the running so everybody understands that a little bit down the road in the show. But I always like starting off the show with people telling the listeners what their connection is to Jackson Hole. Okay. So how I found my way here. <laughs> yeah. And how long have you been here? How'd you find it? So I moved here in 2005. Okay. Um, I am actually from Sheridan, Wyoming originally. So born and raised there. And my sister had come to Jackson a few years before me. I graduated from college in December 2004 with a business management degree. And then I promptly went off to Europe for three months with a friend. <laughs> Good work. So, yeah. So while I was in Europe, my sister emailed and said, you know, what are you doing when you get back? And of course, I didn't have a plan being 22 years old. So she said, well, I can get you a job in Jackson for the summer. Um, so I moved out and my plan was to come for one summer. But within about a week or so of being here, um, I met my husband, Travis, and then I never left. <laughs> so kind of that typical story of you know, coming for a short amount of time and then finding yourself here long-term. So now it's home. Well, I'm glad that you call this home. Yeah. What was it like growing up in Sheridan, Wyoming? It, it was great. I mean, it was a very close community, very safe community. I mean, we grew up, I'm probably fairly similar to how kids grow up here, you know, neighborhood full of kids, a lot of outdoor activities. You know, we either spent time in the mountains or time out on the lake every single weekend in the summer, especially. It just... Yeah, I think I had a really, a really great upbringing there. Mm -hmm. So, but it was just, you know, it was one of those places, I know it's grown quite a bit since I've left, but I think at the time when I graduated high school, I had really no desire to go back. It was sort of, okay, you know, I've lived here, I've done this. And I actually didn't think I'd stay in Wyoming at all. Jackson was sort of an unexpected detour in my life. But, but yeah, I think, I think a lot of people that I went to school with have since gone back because it's grown quite a bit, but mm -hmm. I'm happy here, so. And Sheridan, for the listeners to know, Sheridan's much bigger for, than Jackson is. Yeah. Population-wise. Um, Population-wise, it is. And mm -hmm. it's grown even 
considerably since I was there. So yeah, I don't know what they're at now, but they are, they are quite a bit bigger than Jackson. And since you've been here in Jackson, what do you do for sustaining life? What do you do for work? Well, I've done a few different things. (laughs) And I kind of, I mean, well, I know we'll probably get more into my story and um, kind of what I'm doing this month, like the running that you mentioned, but um, my life has been pretty significantly split into before this and after this. My husband, Travis, had cancer and passed away last year from brain cancer. So what I was doing before and my life with him is very different from what I'm doing now. But I do have a background in finance. I have a master's degree in financial planning. So um, at the time that Travis got sick, I was working for a trust company doing trust and estate type work. Um, I ended up leaving my career to be his caregiver for the remaining 14 months of his life. And then since then, just things have kind of changed significantly for me. And I'm, I'm now one of the race directors for the Jackson Hole Marathon and the Hole Half Marathon. Um, I had been kind of part of the running community prior to taking on that race, which my business partners and I did last summer, I guess the end of last summer, we started to take that race on. And um, I also have a vacation rental property that I bought. Um, Travis and I had to sell our house while he was sick and downsized. So Mm-hmm. A couple of different sources of income. I was used to just being a W-2 wage earner for so many years and everything was sort of up in the air once Travis got sick and we've just readjusted so much that for me now it's like various, you know, sources of income. And I don't know, I, I like it better though. It's a lot of flexibility and I think I'm much happier with this lifestyle that I have now than maybe what I was doing before. Well, thank you for sharing what you've on, on the surface, what you've been through, that doesn't mm-hmm. even get into it. Um, mm-hmm. But my condolences to you for the loss of Travis, who was the love of your life. Mm-hmm. And you said life before and life after. Mm-hmm. But what about life during? That was a very long road for you said 14 months from Mm -hmm. is that how long it was from when he was diagnosed to when he passed that was how long it was from the onset of his symptoms he Uh had a grand mal seizure one day that just completely out of the blue Um, we actually got the diagnosis about a month after his seizure but then you know it was a pretty short time frame from then until when he passed away so yeah 14 months was kind of the whole time frame of the accident that he was in with the grandma seizure and then his death. Mm. So. And what was that 14 month time period? Like, how did you and Travis navigate that crisis together? Because knowing what it was going to bring. Yeah. Um, I think there were a few phases of it. I know initially for me, it was, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, you're, you kind of get thrown into that fight or flight state right off the bat. And I never really came down from that for the first probably two months, which you can't really sustain that kind of <laughs> intensity for that long. And then we kind of just rolled more into, okay, you know, now it's treatment plans. I mean, unfortunately with the type of cancer that he has, it's just relentless treatment all the way through. So you never really get much of a break because it's a really aggressive type of cancer that you have to just continually stay on top of. And it was sort of just learn as we go through all of it. He um, had some pretty severe physical deteriorations from it. It it basically took the whole left side of his body and, and paralyzed him. So within about 
six to eight months, he was in a wheelchair and then he was in a wheelchair for the remainder of the time. But, you know, I think, I know that we, we talked about it very early on and we both had been ultra runners prior to um, this experience with his health changing. And I think we both drew on our experience as runners considerably for just taking it kind of one day at a time, one step at a time. I don't think you ever go into something like that. You can't really think ahead. I mean, you kind of have, there's so much to deal with on a day-to-day basis. His, his health changed constantly. And it was so, it was a massive undertaking for me as his caretaker and just very stressful, of course, for him too, as the one going through it. So we really just tried to break it down into very small manageable pieces. And luckily, you know, I considered us both very lucky in that he didn't, where the tumor wasn't his brain, it kept his personality intact throughout. So that's not always the case, depending on where these tumors show up. But I very much felt like I still had him with me throughout the entire thing, even though it was, it was a different relationship and kind of a different capacity in a lot of ways. But it was still his loving, joking, kind of funny self. And he brought a lot of that humor in throughout the whole thing. And he stayed very optimistic and very positive and fought very hard. And I think in his mind, he was going to beat it. And I think that he needed to have that optimist, you know, that optimism throughout to just get up every day and keep fighting it. So Mm -hmm. it was, I don't know, it it was, it's the most difficult thing I've ever faced. Certainly. Um, I hope to never go through something like that again, but you just, you somehow find your way through it. And we, we did somehow. Very brave of both of you. And to me, I, what I take away from that is Travis was there supporting you just as much as you were there supporting him as being and being his caregiver. He could see the importance of him staying optimistic and positive to, to keep you up, mm-hmm. to keep you going. And, and I'm sure that helped. How did that help you? It made my role as his caregiver significantly easier, for sure, that he was so positive and so optimistic. I mean, we definitely had very dark moments and dark days, but for the most part, Travis was just, yeah, he really, he really kept such a positive attitude throughout all of it. And we, we both recognized very early on that, you know, we can't control what's happening. We can't control that he has this thing, that it's changed everything in our life, that we're dealing with this very massive, serious health issue and crisis. Um, but we could control how we approached it and our perspective and how, you know, how we managed the day to day. And a lot of that, especially later on, as things got more difficult was we would often sit down together and talk about what we were still really grateful for in our life, what was still going well, what was still good in our life. Cause there, you can obviously focus on the negative and everything that was going wrong, but he was really good at, at keeping that, that positivity up. And that definitely helped me I can't imagine if he didn't have that type of an attitude, how much harder it would have been for me to care for him throughout the whole thing. And it just, I'm so grateful that he was able to keep that, that positive outlook. That sounds like quite a blessing that he was able to do that for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so now you've embarked on a remarkable adventure (laughs) that you're involved in right now. And, (laughs) And it brings back, to keep his memory going Mm -hmm. also ties in your ultra running experience as well. Yeah. What are you doing? (laughs) I know, but I want you to share it with everybody. (laughs) Oh, May is um, brain tumor awareness month. Okay. So 
Travis passed away in February of 2019. So last May, I was still pretty heavy in grief and I knew it was Brain Tumor Awareness Month, but I was just not really capable of getting anything together to do much for it. So it's been on my mind for about a year. What I ended up <laughs> agreeing to or, or signing up for I guess, this month is I'm running a half a marathon every single day for the month of May to help raise awareness for brain tumors and brain cancer. But I'm also doing this as a fundraising piece for the Michael Matters Foundation which we found out about through a friend of ours while Travis was sick, but they provide grants directly to patients and families that are fighting brain tumors. And we were the recipients of one of their grants while Travis was sick. And so I immediately thought of them when I thought, well, maybe I could do this as sort of a, an additional fundraiser to sort of pay forward some of the kindness that we received and, um, and help other families that are facing what we faced. So I, I ended up kind of connecting with them. And they were, of course, really excited about the idea. Um, and yeah, the third, the third piece was just to kind of do this also in Travis's memory and, and a way to honor him and keep his memory alive. So it came about very quickly. <laughs> At the end of April, I kind of was dragging my feet because I was sort of scared to commit to anything significant. I ended up emailing my she's my former running coach and just she's been a friend and a running mentor to me for a lot of years. But um, Lisa Smith Batchen is her name. Mm-hmm. she's been in this community for a long time. And I think I emailed her and said, I'm thinking of doing 10 miles a day, which at the time even still sounded like a lot. And she wrote back and said, great. What about a half marathon? <laughs> totally sounds like her, her, yeah. her, her gig. Her w- Exactly. Wish. And as, a, as any coach would, they'd push you into something bigger. So <laughs> it's only 3.1 more miles. It's nothing. Right. And I, I don't think I replied to her for like two or three days. Cause I, I just really <laughs> sit and think about that. And then, Cause in my head, I'm going, well, that's, that's three more miles, but that's about another hour a day of time. You know, it just, it's a lot more miles at the end of the month. It all adds up. And so I kind of hesitated. And then I finally wrote her back and said, okay, I'm thinking about it. I don't want to commit yet. You know, let me reach out to the Michael Matters Foundation. So I reached out to them and then sort of the same thing. I sent them the initial email, <laughs> hoping that I wouldn't hear back and that I could kind of get off the hook with the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> And then they wrote back and said they were really excited and we talked on the phone and then I started to get more excited about it and, and told Lisa, you know, yeah, I think I can do this. And so she's been, you know, giving me all kinds of great advice throughout and helping me and checking in on me every day. And I'm really grateful for that because she's an amazing accomplished ultra runner in her own right and athlete. And so to have her guidance has been incredibly helpful. I, there's no way I should have or could have done this without her. <laughs> we all need coaches in some way. Yeah, exactly. And how does today's day 20? Have you run your, your run today? I did. Yep. And do you run, do you complete your run at the same time every day? Uh, pretty much. I get out every morning just cause I know if I sit around and wait and do it in the afternoon, I'll just kind of stew about it all morning. So it's better for me to just kind of get up and get out the door. Mm-hmm. Um, so far I've been really lucky with weather. We'll see the next few days. I'm kind of playing the weather just a little bit, but yeah, I usually start between about 8.30 and 10 every morning. It just cool. kind of depends on the day. So, Well, do not let that weather stop you. You're going to still... Stop me. <laughs> it just won't but, be as much fun. Right. <laughs> I'll still go. It's just, yeah, I'm kind of keeping an eye on things. So, Did you train in advance to accomplish running a half marathon every day for 30 days? No. <laughs> And are you doing 30 days or 31 days? 31 days. 31 days. So no, um, the last 
training that I had done. So Travis and I ran a 50 mile race together in September of 2017, which was about two months before he had his seizure. Um, and that was the last time I've done any sort of significant training for anything because I was so inundated with his health for the 14 months that he was sick. And then the grieving process after, you know, I've kind of felt my way through that and not really put any pressure on myself to jump back in anything. So um, I've been active. I just haven't trained for anything. <laughs> so yeah, the thought of doing the half marathon was at the beginning of the month. It was, it was a lot. It was a lot to think about, but you know, Lisa, I, when she says to me, I, I know you can do it. I trust her because I've worked with her before and she knows what I'm capable of. So I think having her kind of nudge me in this direction and then also really tell me that she knows that I could complete it um, and that she would kind of help give me guidance along the way. I, I felt pretty good going into it, even without really preparing or training. <laughs> very brave, very brave. What do you do for recovery each day to get ready oh. for the next day? That's become a big part of my day, which I, it's funny, Lisa and I ran together on day one. And that was one of the things she asked me. And I kind of looked at her like, oh yeah, I probably do need a recovery plan. I didn't really have one. Yeah, you do. <laughs> yeah. So she gave me some tips, but um, what I do, I drink. Um, so actually Matt Chorney, who's been in the community for a while, is a good friend of mine and he works for Momentus. So I do Momentus recovery drink, kind of their protein recovery drink every day. And I love the taste of it. And I look forward to it every single day. It's kind of my little, you know, gift or treat at the end of my run. So that's the very first thing I do. And then I come home and typically eat lunch, foam roll. Um, I do a cold shower from the waist down just to try to reduce the inflammation in the legs. I, I probably foam roll about five times a day or massage the muscles out or try to do something like that. I ice anything that hurts. So it seems like, you know, the run is taking up the morning every single day. And then the recovery process is kind of the rest of my day every single day. So it's been a lot more of a time commitment than I initially thought it would be. <laughs> I way underestimated. <laughs> How many pairs of shoes will you go through? So I actually started off running on two different older pairs of shoes, not thinking that I should probably get a new pair. <laughs> I haven't bought a new pair of shoes in about a year. Um, so I think it was around day 10. I, I had some really bad foot pain right off the bat that I was a little bit worried about. And Lisa had me icing and doing some things. And, and she said, you know, you, you really should go get a new pair of shoes. So uh, it, I think it was the first day that skinny skis was opened. I went down and bought a new pair of shoes and I've never just out of the box gone and run 13 miles in a brand new pair of shoes. I usually like to break them in a little bit more and make sure I'm not going to get blisters, but I kind of felt like I didn't have a choice because I was running in older <laughs> pairs. So I just went for it. And luckily it was fine. And, you know, they're shoes that I use pretty regularly. So I know how they fit my feet. But mm -hmm. yeah, I was, I was definitely worried the very first day I wore them. Like this could be a really bad idea and I could end up with terrible blisters and then suffer for <laughs> the rest of the time. But mm -hmm. luckily it worked out. So I've got a new pair now that I've been wearing and they feel good. I'll probably, I'm sure I'll wear them throughout the rest of the month. So Thankfully, skinny skis open. I, yeah, bet, I, <laughs> I, I bet knowing Phil, Phil leads that if you had called him and said, Phil, I need these, he probably would have gone and get them gone to get them for you. Yeah. And uh, said, just pay me when we open. Exactly. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's a big supporter. Uh, they do the run for ride. Uh, mm -hmm. So he's been a big supporter for St. John's 
oncology department and hospital mm -hmm. there for their foundation. So I bet he would have supported you. No problem on that one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we've known Phil for a while because Travis and I used to be the presidents of Teton trail runners and skinny skis was one of our sponsors. Mm -hmm. And then we would um, volunteer at the 4th of July 10 K race that they would put on every year that yeah. is now the friends of pathways, I think now has that race, but so we volunteered for two or three years with them at that race and got to know Phil through that. So cool. Yeah. And what is foam rolling like for you? Because you say foam rolling and it can mean so much to other people. And for example, like how long does that a foam rolling session take for you? One session is probably about five minutes. So I just focus on the legs and kind mm -hmm. of all the major muscle groups. And I just sort of have a routine that I go through with it and then put it away and then do that about four or five times each, each afternoon and evening. And then again now, in the morning before I go out the next morning again. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Now, are you a, a hard foam roller? Meaning do you use a hard foam roller or are you a, like a melt method roller or a semi-firm? The one that I have is pretty firm. Okay. Um, Does it have notches in it? It doesn't have the notches. Those okay. ones are way too painful for me. <laughs> I, I have one of those at home. Oh. It's pretty painful. I don't like those ones. So yeah, I do have a pretty firm one. And then I also have just a little handheld um, kind of roller just to, that I'll sit on the chair and, you know, use that one more, I think on my calves and try to get into the calves a little bit deeper, but. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those are good. Yeah. And when you're foam rolling, I've heard some people suggest instead of really just going back and forth, back and forth, go slowly over the muscle to really get into the muscle. Mm -hmm. What is your method? Um, I do a lot of the back and forth. And then if I hit the muscle really where it's very sore, I'll try to just pause or slow down and, and even just lay on it in that spot for a minute and just kind of suffer through it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't feel great, but I do think it's, it's helping. So you had mentioned that Lisa had ran with you on the first run mm -hmm. and I think in the paper, I saw that you had somebody else running with you as well. I've had, actually, I've been really lucky. I've had a lot of people come out with me throughout the month. That's so, terrific. Yeah. So Lisa and I have run together a handful of times. Okay. Um, it seems like every time her and I go, she kind of puts a call out to a lot of people that she knows. So we've had, I think the largest group size we had was eight. Nice. Yeah. Wow. So there's only been... I was alone today and alone earlier in the week. And then early in the month, I think I had two days where I was on my own. And otherwise I've had either one or more people with me all, all along. Gosh, that's wonderful. It's been really nice. Yeah, it it's, makes the time go a lot faster. Although there's been a few days where I've been really tired. Mm -hmm. Just keeping up talking with people the whole time is even more exhausting too. <laughs> so. Has yeah. Brendan McDermott or Jim O'Jay been out with you? No. I'm going to send them a text and tell yeah, them. Yeah, it'd be fun. I'd love to run yeah. with them. Yeah. Do you know Brendan and Jim? I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think April Norton is a runner too. I think she is. I think you're yeah. right. I'm going to send yeah. them some text messages after this. I wish, <laughs> I so wish I, I was still a runner. I'd be out there with you in a heartbeat. Well, it's a very slow pace. I should tell you that. I mean, I'm, I'm capable of running a faster half marathon, but the whole idea was to do this for 31 days straight. Mm -hmm. So Lisa said, especially off the bat, she was like, take it easy. Cause if you go out hard on day one and get hurt, you're done. So mm -hmm. it's the goal has been to just do it every single day. Um, so some days that means more walking than running. 
it just depends on how my body feels and how tired I am. But I've been surprised on other days. I feel like I run the vast majority of it. And yeah, cool. It's a very easy, gentle pace. I can tell you that much. (laughs) Awesome. I tell you what, we're going to take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor and then we'll be right back. I'm having so much fun, Monica. I can't wait to get back to this. Sounds good. Jackson Hole Marketplace has what you are looking for. Easy and convenient stop on the south side of Jackson. Conveniently located four miles south of town, right off the bike path. Jackson Hole Marketplace is an easy stop for commuters, hikers, bikers, and rafters. Be sure to stop in during the week to indulge in one of our new badass sandwiches. We build our sandwiches using 460 bread and meat from Cy Ginsburg Deli and Boar's Head Meats. Visit the jacksonholeconnection.com slash JHM to learn more. Monica, welcome back. And this is awesome. I'm having a blast learning about you and your running and the fundraising that you're doing for Travis in memory of your husband, Travis. And you said that you're running a half marathon every day for the month of May. So that's 31 days. How can someone support you through your fundraising efforts? What is the process? So we have a link, um, it's through the Michael Matters Foundation, which is based in Chicago. Um, And like I said earlier, they provide grants to uh, patients and families that are facing brain tumors and brain cancer. But they set up a specific donation link for us that's on my social media pages that we've kind of been sharing around. But you can also just go directly to their website, which is michaelmatters.org and donate through there too. Um, but it's really cool. They have the link that they set up for me is actually a runner. And as more donations come in, it fills up the body of the runner. So it's, it's been kind of fun to watch that <laughs> kind of That's fill all, all the way up through. Yeah. <laughs> what is your fundraising goal? Do you have one? I do. It's changed a couple of times because I initially started off. Um, I had no idea what to shoot for, especially given the climate that we're in with the pandemic. And I really, you know, when I initially talked to the, to the Michael Matters Foundation, I just said, I, I don't know where to start. I think I'm just going to throw out a number. So initially it was very low. It was 4,000 because I really, like I said, I had no clue what a starting point should be. And we hit the 4,000 before I even started, before even May 1st. So it was <laughs> Great. incredible. Yeah. So then we decided, okay, well, how about 13,000 to kind of represent the 13.1 miles that I'm doing every day? So we changed it to that. And we hit 13,000, I want to say within the first 10 days. So we, we hit the second goal right off the bat as well. And then we decided to up it. So where it's at right now is 26,000. And we came to that because the Michael Matters Foundation provides grants in the amount of $2,000 per family or patient that they provide the money to. So that would support 13 different families. So again, playing off that number 13, but yeah, so right now it's a, it's the goal is 26,000 by the end of the month. And I'm just so thrilled with what we've raised so far and how much it's grown since I first thought 4,000 would maybe be the goal that it's just been really cool to see the support throughout the month. That's wonderful. And and you mentioned that you can reach people can reach us through your social media and you said pages. Um, yeah, so I have a page on Facebook that's titled what you do from here. And it was something that Travis and I formed, um, after he got sick, we kind of, 
we actually formed a website that I used to write for. Um, I wrote a blog for it while he was sick. And that was our way of kind of sharing information and the process and the journey that we were going through. And I, the, the website is still active. I just haven't written anything new on that in a while. But the, we also then formed the Facebook page for it. So anybody can go to that. It's, it's a public site. And then I'm also having a public account on Instagram, just my name, Monica Zeal. So both of the fundraising links are through there. But um, but yeah, initially that was just a way for us to kind of get information out to friends and family and, and people who were following along with what we were going through while he was sick. And I've just kept it up since, I guess. At least That's the terrific. <laughs> and, and spell matters, the Michael Matters Foundation. Spell that for me. It's M-A-T-T-E-R-S. Ooh, I got it right. Ringer. <laughs> <laughs> and who is Michael Matters? So we were introduced to them. It was actually a friend of Lisa's. Um, she went to high school with a, with a guy who had lost his wife to glioblastoma, the same type of cancer that Travis had. So after Travis was diagnosed, he reached out to Lisa and then got the message to us and, and mentioned this foundation that was in place. Michael was also somebody that was diagnosed at a fairly young age. I want to say he was in his 40s when he was diagnosed with glioblastoma. And then you know, he went through a lot of the treatments that I think Travis also went through. They were traveling and trying to find him some of the best doctors and best care. And it's just such an aggressive type of cancer that similar to my story, they just couldn't really get ahead of it. So once Michael passed away, um, his family formed this foundation and his daughter is the one that I've been in touch with through the foundation. She's now the, the president of it. You know, and I remember talking to her when Travis was sick and kind of getting to know her a little bit at that time. And then you know, we've just sort of stayed in touch, I guess, through social media. And I reached out to her again when, before I started this whole, this whole journey this month. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So it's kind of a similar storyline to, I think, what Travis faced. You know, we, we were in a position where obviously living in Jackson, that type of cancer, um, we, he did have some of his treatments through the oncology department here, but we had to travel a fair amount to get him care that he needed. So I think, you know, for us, we, I tried to take him to some of the best doctors and places that I could and just the, the nature of that cancer, it's just so aggressive and so difficult to treat that, you know, even giving him the best medical care that I could find for him didn't make much of a difference in the end. So. Sorry for your, for that loss. Thank you. Um, yeah. And with you reaching these three different pinnacles of, of fundraising, what do you think is going to be next for you? <laughs> I don't know. Um, that's kind of the exciting part though, I guess. I mean, I've, while I've been out doing this this month, it's sort of sparked some ideas that I want to kind of float by some people about, I guess, I guess I could talk about it. <laughs> I think one of the ideas that I had while I've been out running was, you know, how can I, create something. I mean, living in Jackson and just living here and loving this environment, I don't know if there's a way to help bring families that are facing brain cancer to Jackson for some sort of vacation. That was some sort of idea that I had while I was out running one day. But Travis and I, I think we're very lucky to live here, that we had access to the outdoors like we did, especially while he was sick. And it, it, it's very difficult to travel. I know that when you have brain tumors or brain cancer, when you're facing something like that. But I, I sort of had this idea of if there's a way to help bring families to this area to give them some sort of vacation, you know, that are facing something so horrible. I don't know. That's, that sort of has been playing around in my mind this month as I've been doing this. And I, I meet, meet people all the time and come across people all the time, especially through social media that also have 
connections with glioblastoma, their loved ones are facing it. And I just, I want to find ways that I can help more than what I'm just doing for this month. So there's, there's kind of a few things rattling around in my brain for that. Cool. Well, that's a, a beautiful idea and all best, you know, foundations, everything starts with something. And mm-hmm. I feel as though with the community that we have here in Jackson, you have some phenomenal resources to reach out to mm-hmm. the people that can help you potentially see that, that dream come true. Um, yeah. It become an actual vision that uh, puts smiles on people's faces and gives them a little, a lot of sunshine and um, hope for when they're going through such a terrible time. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be able to do something like that. I know, you know, it's, it's a, it's a very difficult time to try to travel. I get that. But if, if it's possible with some families or some people, I think having that time together is invaluable. You, you know, you just, you never get that time back. So if it's something that I can help do, I'm, I'm definitely thinking about it. I'm thinking about reaching out to a few people that I know that might be able to help me put something together maybe. So we'll see. Well, I look forward to learning more <laughs> as that comes to to reality because it with somebody who has the determination and plan to run 31 half marathons in a row, <laughs> I think you creating some program which brings people here going through brain cancer uh, for a vacation for their families. Mm-hmm. That's small. You'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> You'll do it for sure. For, for what you have been through and survived and your, your outlook on life, you'll do it. Thank you. Yeah. I guess that's sort of the bar that I judge everything on life now is I've been through so much worse, you know, than running half marathon every single day for 31 days. I mean, people are like, I can't believe you can do that. And well, it's kind of mind over matter. And I guess in the context of my life, it's not that big of a deal. Mm It's all about perspective. So, and you've been faced with some really challenging situations and you said it's mind over matter. Explain to us what you mean that it's more mind. What does that mean to you? It's more mind over matter. I think that goes back to the way Travis and I approached every single day with, with his cancer was just letting go of what you can't control and focusing on what you can. Mm -hmm. And he didn't spend very much time, you know, with the whole, why is this happening to me idea? I mean, we definitely talked about it. He had a few difficult moments with that, but he, for the most part, you know, accepted it and faced it and just went about it every single day, the best that he could. And I think that's a lot of it. It's just shifting your perception and your, your, you know, how you view everything. I mean, we could have wallowed in how horrible it was every single day. And there were certainly times that we did, but for the vast majority of the time, we chose to just dive in and face it and deal with it the best we could. And like I said, we, we spent a lot of time talking about what was still good in our life and focusing on that instead of what was going wrong and, you know, reminding each other what we were grateful for and the amount of support that we had, especially from this community was incredible. And that kept Travis lifted up and going throughout his fight. So I think that's a lot of it. It's just kind of changing your attitude on, on how you view something like that. That's, that's very powerful thoughts for us all to take into consideration and mm-hmm. to put into effect, uh, to implement in our lives mm-hmm. because it's, we can only control 
what we know. Yeah. Right then at the moment. And if you ask why, 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 why me, you're it's waste of brain hour, brain energy and so much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well said. Thank <laughs> well you. said. Yeah. <laughs> For folks that are looking to get support of going through a challenging time, where did you find some of the greatest support during that challenging time while Travis was sick and afterwards? Um, I think that we were lucky that we had a really strong family and friend network. We definitely leaned on our family and friends throughout. And I still do, you know, I mean, grief is kind of, as I've learned a lifelong process, you don't ever really reach a point where you go, okay, well, I'm over that now. I mean, I don't, I, I still have triggers with grief. I still struggle at times with um, his loss. And I think I always will. So I'm lucky that I have a very strong network of support and that we did throughout his cancer. I think within each cancer subgroup, if, if that's kind of what people are going through, there's, there's various resources and things. One for me that was incredibly helpful was the um, American, Brain Tumor, or American Brain Tumor Association had a mentorship program. So I was able to sign up to have a mentor that had also lost, she'd lost her husband to glioblastoma a few years prior, and then she signed up to be a mentor. And just having someone to talk to that had been through exactly what I was now going through was hugely helpful for me. So finding, reaching out and finding somebody that I could really connect with that really understood, you know, and I was very lucky to have the friends and family support that I have, but they didn't understand the day-to-day like my mentor did. So having her guidance and being able to call her and saying, you know, this is happening. This is what I'm seeing. Did you experience this? Or, you know, just, just that resource was for me hugely valuable. And we're still in touch to this day. I would would definitely call her a friend and I really valued that relationship. And I think it was just taking a little bit of time to reach out and, and seek that out. And it, it became a huge resource for me. And I know those things exist, you know, there's grief and I'm on grief groups and I was, you know, after Travis passed away, I signed up for a few different grief groups and I did counseling and I did whatever I could to help myself, you know, come to terms with what I had been through. There was really no time for me to process any of that during his, his cancer. We were just thrown into this, you know, very stressful kind of high, there was a lot happening all the time that I just didn't have time to take care of myself during that. I mean, his needs were far greater than mine. So but since then I did seek out, you know, how can I best help myself get through this? And it takes a little initiative, but it was well worth, you know, looking into those things and seeking out those resources. Monica, thank you for that insight. And I tell you, uh, Travis was very lucky to have you in his life. And I'm, I'm sure it was the same way that you were lucky to have him in your life. And he was a great part of your life and will always live on in, inside of you. And yeah, absolutely. What, what you have shared today uh, shows how we can all find strength in in other people with other people, and it's so important that even during a time like right now, with what's going on in the world, that we need people, we need mm-hmm. each other, and if people are feeling lonely, to find some way to reach out to, to connect with someone to get the support that you need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I found with everything that we went through, it really realigned what I found to be valuable in life and what isn't. <laughs> yeah. 
you know, and, and during the process of Travis being sick, I mean, we sold our house, we sold all of our stuff, we downsized, we tried to simplify our life to make the care of cancer that much easier as much as we could. But all those things that I thought that I would miss, I don't miss any of them. I mean, the only thing that really mattered was him and his care and my love for him. And, you know, you kind of realize that that's, that's really all that it is. The connections that we have with others is the best part of life. So, yeah. so true. Mm-hmm. So true. For departing words, what are some thoughts or words of happiness that you would like to share with us today? Ooh, that's a good one. <laughs> I don't know. I, I guess for myself, finding a simpler life has, what, has, has been what's made me the happiest of kind of getting rid of all of this excess or, you know, I no longer care to climb any big ladders. I just, I want a very simple life. And I found a lot of happiness in that. And one thing that, and I guess I've sort of touched on it throughout this, this conversation, I think that I found to be the most helpful and it took some time for me to really get used to a more present moment awareness or living more in the moment um, was something that I really worked on after Travis got sick. Cause I was wired to always, think 10 steps ahead and try to anticipate everything. And um, after he was diagnosed, I had to really, really rewire my brain to focus on just being in the moment with him as much as I could, knowing that that time could be very valuable. You know, we of course hoped that he would be one of the long-term survivors. There are some of those out there, but that's not the way it went with him. And I'm grateful that I was able to get to a place where I could just really be present with him as much as possible in every moment that we had together. And I think... I think living that way still and now is what brings me the most amount of happiness. You know, it's just finding joy in the everyday. And I think I used to always try to plan ahead and look for the future. And, oh, if we reach this milestone, we'll be happier. If we do this, we'll be happier. And, and recognizing that that's not necessarily the case. You're always going to find something else to <laughs> shoot for, or aim for. It's, it's really finding the moments now as you're living them. And that's where the happiness really lies. Those words to wrap things up today will really resonate and sink in. And I know I'll go home to my wife and boys today and be in the moment, be present for them. I'm glad you <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Monica, for your time today. Thank you for sharing your heart and your, your thoughts with us today and allowing yourself to be vulnerable and helping us all see and understand what is more important than just things. I've learned so much from you today. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so happy to be on your podcast. Thank you for inviting me on. This was really fun today. <laughs> yeah, indeed. And I will certainly get out there of all of my six followers on my social media <laughs> and share what you're doing of all your thousands of followers. Oh, I don't know if I have that many, but... <laughs> I bet you do. And I'm going to get in touch with Brendan and Jim and April. I'm going to send them a note right now to say um, they should get in touch with you uh, to do some running. Yep. Uh, Not every day. I tell you what, those guys are out every day too. I know Brendan and Jim are. I don't, I don't know about April because she has two little kids, but I think she gets out there and she, this would be her thing to be out there and have a conversation with. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. Well, be well. And stay as dry as you can over the next few days <laughs> and dress warm. 
Yes. <laughs> and I really appreciate your time and thank you for what you're doing. And I'm going to go find those pages tonight and get that runner a little bit fuller. Thank you. That yeah. would be great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. All right. Take care, Monica. Thanks. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. To learn more about Monica and her fundraising adventure challenge, please visit the jacksonholeconnection.com episode number 89. If you know someone who'd be a fabulous guest, please send them my way. Shoot us an email to connect at the jacksonholeconnection.com. Many thanks to Michael Morey for doing the editing and marketing of this podcast. My wife, Laura, and the boys, William and Lewis, for supporting us always. All those supportive listeners. Thank you, everybody. I really have enjoyed having you here today. And I look forward to seeing you back for the next episode of the Jackson Hole Connection.